All right, so uh, we're talking uh, today with Dr. Stephen Harvey, uh, and this podcast actually stemmed from Twitter. Uh, I literally saw this article pop up on Twitter and looked at the topic, and um, guess what? It's about Twitter use and physical education. So props to Kevin Richards for the tweet. And um, so today, we're taking a jump into the world of social media on the podcast. We have Dr. Stephen Harvey here from Ohio University, and we are here to discuss his article titled An Investigation into the Reasons Physical Education Professionals Use Twitter. Uh, it was just published in 2018 in uh, Journal of Teaching and Physical Education. So uh, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for taking the time to chat about your paper. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's truly a pleasure. Um, I also want to say thanks to Dr. Brendan Heinemann, who is also on the paper, for his significant help in getting the study completed, written, and published. Awesome. So, um, Twitter. Uh, I Personally, I dragged my feet for a long time, avoided jumping in it, um, but after the summer, I feel like it's been such a great move for me professionally, and I learn every day from it. And I'm also connecting with scholars like you, who I've literally seen you present, and we've never really had these big conversations, but I see you active on, on Twitter, and uh, and I feel like a lot of people are having these conversations. So let's get into this article. Um, how is social media and technology in general being tracked in the research? What do, what do we know? Well, in terms of educators using Twitter, there's a big world out there, I guess. So uh, since we've had Web 2.0 technologies like Twitter, they allow education professionals, as you say, to engage in immediate conversations, share ideas, resources, that kind of thing, with the ultimate aim that if we make ourselves better, we make the students learn more in our classroom. Um, in education, more broadly, there's a number of studies on Twitter use, um, and that there's ones emerging that show that Twitter can help support educational practices. For example, you know, improving engagement of students in class and grades, boosting collaborative learning and self-confidence in students, encouraging informal learning outside of the classroom, you know, after the, the formal class meetings, um, encouraging participation in the class, especially where in some higher ed context they've done some research looking at how it improves in-class engagement from large groups. And then um, other prior research indicates that obviously in-service teachers use Twitter to support professional growth, you know, when they move away from formal teacher education programs and are in the big wide world and then you know because a lot especially in the the states and our study found this you know there's isolation and so you end up in a on a bit of an island so you want to connect with people and keep yourself vibrant um, so those are the main sort of things that we know and it helps us um, get access to people like researchers or other teachers who have expertise in areas that we would never come across if we don't go to their conferences or, or, or other things. So um, that's kind of a summary. Um, Carpenter and Krutka, who we sort of followed a bit of their research in, in what we did here, but they said that really there's three main forms, um, communication, class activities, and professional development and learning, and they're the three reasons teachers tend to use Twitter. Awesome, and that, that goes into the pedagogies of technology framework, is that correct? Well, we kind of um, massaged our work into that framework, yes. it's. I mean, I think it's a relatively simple framework, one that's easy to understand. Um, Kathy Armour was the 
lead developer of the the framework initially, but it really puts um, learning or, or pedagogy, sorry, into sort of three kind of bins or boxes or whatever. So one is teachers teaching, one is learners and their learning, and the other one is then how to utilize your knowledge about the content in particular contexts, so like high school versus elementary school, that kind of idea, urban, rural school, you know, that kind of thing. Awesome. And so you have a really great literature review here. Um, I learned a lot about uh, Twitter here, but uh, so you discuss some positive applications and also some pitfalls of Twitter use by uh, professionals. Can you give us some highlights of what the research says about Twitter use in PE? Well, the first major statement, I guess we should say, is that it's, it's very much an emerging body. If you think it's kind of new in education more broadly, and the social media research in PE is pretty paltry, really, to be fair. Um, so, but if we follow the, the, the kind of idea of communication, class activities, and professional development learning we talked about earlier, um, Heather Irwin is a professor at University of Kentucky. She noted that social media platforms do offer an inexpensive form of communication and provide PE professionals with a space to advocate for the profession. But obviously, like all of us, you know, we need to watch what we say and do in these social media spaces and be accountable for them. So that was kind of a paper she put out in strategies. Um, then in terms of classroom activities, we, we don't really know a lot. Um, there was the Pedagogies of Digital Technologies book done by Casey and uh, their, their authors. And Antonio Calderon and colleagues had a paper in that. Um, and they identified some challenges of embedding Twitter into a pre-service teacher course by a professor, um, which I think was Antonio. Um, and they recognized that Twitter use needed to be grounded in authentic student learning context. So what, what I think they were saying was you can't just use it uh, like tokenistically, you've really got to use it as a means to support student learning. And then in terms of professional development and learning, this is really where we see some of the bigger emerging trends for the research and bigger positives for professors and um, you know pre-service and in-service teachers. So Goodyear and Casey and Kirk did a study that looked at um, teachers in a community of practice within the same school using Facebook and Twitter outside of their practice within the school and they found that that gave each other vi vital emotional support. So sometimes they might not be willing to say something live but can go on that service and have conversations when there's a bit more time, when you've got your head away from the PE department and things like that where you can be more rational. Um, we did a study, me, um, Brendan Heinemann and Shane Pill, and we looked at um, doing a bit of a Twitter chat to talk about how teachers you get, use game-centered approaches um, and the information that they've learned about that. And they said that, um, you know, uh, Twitter was a form where they could go in and learn about game-centered approaches and connect with experts. And then Doug Leddy in the same book, the Pedagogies of Technology book, they had a, 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 um, a chapter where they looked at one um, elementary physical educator who used Twitter. Um, and what they found was that he said that Twitter was a central conduit, really, for other professional learning. So they found out about conferences. They met other teachers that use different models. They found about other versions of technology that they didn't use currently. Um, but one of the things they warned was, um, and they talked to the, the teacher about, was 
always wanting to put your best side onto Twitter. You know, you never want to share your failures, but you always want to share the good stuff, which is which is fine. Um, so they sort of had a bit of a warning again, like Irwin, that we should watch what we say and do on Twitter and be introspective about how we use the service. Right. And so in this paper, you essentially set out to get answers to three research questions. Uh, the first one being, what aspects of Twitter do P professionals find the most valuable? Um, two, uh, how does PE professionals' use of Twitter impact upon their perceptions of their students' learning? And then the third one was, what levels of professional development and learning have, result, have resulted from PE professionals' engagement in Twitter? So how did you go about doing this? Can you explain the methods that you had? Yeah, so it was really um, a brainchild idea I had sat there in the office one day that I, I read this paper by Jeff Carpenter and Dan Krutka where they used a sur survey to explore um, general edu educators' use of um, Twitter and the reasons they use it. So I basically took their survey and they, they've done a lot of research about Twitter and social media using surveys of teachers. It's you know makes it pretty accessible. Um, to do research about Twitter using Twitter, it makes sense, right? Um, so they had a survey that had an informed consent section, a demographic section, a Twitter usage, usage section, and then a section elicited um, information about how and why the educators use Twitter. So we, or I, uh, initially before I um, co-opted Brendan here, I sort of put the, the survey together. Um, what I did is I made a few amendments to some of the later, the Twitter usage section, where I added some more recent social media, things like Voxer, that I also knew that um, PE teachers access because I was on there myself. Um, and then I also amended some questions because I had some hunches about, they just asked one question about, you know, what are the benefits of using Twitter kind of thing. Um, whereas I asked, um, do you think it's impacted your teaching? Uh, like performance and, and say why has it impacted your student learning and say why so the student learning and teacher was yes no and then I asked them to give an example uh, so I added those and those were obviously linked to that pedagogy of technology framework with the teachers teaching learners learning and then the answers they gave the qualitative ones um, helped us all look at that contextual learning um, so I put the survey out via Twitter um, for a period of about a month in t late 2016 um, and it was a Qualtrics survey link just asking people to um, post and I used various hashtags to try and promote it I um, tried to promote it you know at Twitter chats and things like that so um, that's how I sort of collected the data so I got I got um, quantitative data when I asked questions like gender and things like that. And then I got qualitative data when I asked about, well, why do you use it? Please explain. Right. And so you have, um, you ended up with about, or you ended up with exactly 251 participants uh, in the study from all over the world. And I, I think we could go and spend a whole podcast discussing your data analysis section, but uh, let's skip that for now to get to, uh, to the results. Uh, you came up with three themes. Can you explain those to us? Well, the the major sort of themes were around the pedagogies of technology framework that led, you know, to the research research questions. I mean, in in reality, we we did this sort of data analysis mapping, which spat out loads of information to us. And the main things were like 
students, ideas, teachers, teaching, um, using, you know, ideas, resources, conferences, you know. So these were some things that it, it spat back at us. And so what when it spat these things back to us, we sort of organized them in a that pedagogies of technology framework. Um, what I can do is, like, as an overview, like you say, we had 50, uh, 251 people, 56% male. So it was a pretty even um, thing. 81% of the participant possessed six or more years teaching experience, which we'll come to that in a minute. Um, most, 50% uh, had a master's degree. 54% um, said they'd been on Twitter for three years or more. Um, you know, most of them saying they've been on there for professional reasons. And we got participants from 25 different countries, uh, although 57% of the participants were US-based, albeit we tried to post at different times for the world. We got more of a sample from the US. So those things you just need to bear in mind when we talk about the, the results. But um, So in the teachers and teaching theme, um, a large proportion of the sample indicated using Twitter um, to impact their teaching practices. So when we asked that question, 81% or nearly 82% said that it impacted their teaching. When we asked them about learning, only 60% said it had impacted their students' learning. So there was a bit of a, a difference there. So other things they said about teaching was um, that they accessed the service multiple times a day, um, that they participated in Twitter chats quite regularly, and they really enjoyed accessing experts uh, and getting people, different people's perspective. And they felt that it would help them be less isolated in the classroom. And then they also talked a little bit about overcoming financial and time implications for other professional developments, you know. And the old P, uh, PDL in my pajamas kind of I've heard people sort of uh, talk about it. Um, so that was more the teachers and teaching. And then the learners learning, like I say, um, uh, only a, a smaller percentage said it, it impacted student learning. A smaller percentage reported they used Twitter for communication uh, or with class activities than they did for other things like professional development or finding ideas for lessons and things like that. Um, and the idea is that, um, you know, they, they said they wanted to use it more for class activities but there were other forms of you know technology that was safer like google forms and that kind of thing um but um you know and but the, the one of the things was they couldn't describe how their use of twitter shaped their students learning so the the sort of the 60 percent thing is well how specifically is it impacting and there were a lot of people were like well we don't really know how it impacts student learning directly. So it's, I think there's a more of an indirect link there, but that's for future research. And then with the knowledge in context idea, um, there was things like, they talked about advocating for the profession. There was a, there was a big thing about them, them sort of back-channeling in conferences. So say I go to, you know, there's a lot of local PE conferences on now, or regional ones. So if I go to the Ohio AFID, I'm on there back-channeling stuff that's happening, taking little videos, and a lot of them like that kind of thing where they could feel they could be there. Um, and then, um, you know, that then gave them stimulated new ideas for re uh, teaching strategies. And, um, you know, one of the big things is because a lot of teachers have been on Twitter for a while, there's this notion that they are lurking first, and then they get into it, they f figure out what it's all about, they pass through the sort of like 
the exciting phase and the honeymoon phase and they really find out they can use it. So it's, it's, it's really helps them with the washout. You know, if you think about it, it's six or more years, you've done your undergrad, you've gone out and taught for a while, you've done your masters and then the teachers are searching, well, what's the thing that I can do now? So this really gives them an opportunity to reach out and find other people, um, you know, to, to continue that professional development. Um, and then a lot of people said that it was a bit of a conduit for them to get into t- uh, leading and doing workshops at conferences, building confidence to be able to do that and that kind of thing. So we found out quite a lot just through, you know, one sort of survey, but we need to do a little bit more research to get a little bit more depth in some of the, the things that people reported. Right. And so what I'm kind of hearing is that Twitter was a place where PE professionals developed their content and pedagogical knowledge to, in effect, enhance student learning. Am I right here? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was definitely one of the biggest things that when... I mean, some of the criticisms could be, or oh, there was, I think it was a paper on professional development, what we're going to do on mon- for PE on Monday kind of thing, um, and sort of this notion that teachers go for want to find ideas just so they can find the next idea for their next class next week. Um, I think that that's been a little bit overcritical to people who are on Twitter. Um, there is a bit of a sense of that. I think the, the sample that we had are a little bit more discerning than that. Um, and we've done some subsequent interviews and we're going through that data at the moment. So we've found out that really that there are, are a lot more of this sample that are incredibly more discerning than that. Um, but the main thing was that people were on there to, you know, make themselves better as a teacher. That was, the, you know, that was the, the, re, the reason they, they were on there. And, you know, you go to PE, PD events, you know, which are not really there for physical education professionals. So they felt that this was a way of connecting. If you're an elementary school teacher, you're there on your own in the building. You may be away in the back somewhere, away from people. And I know you people could say, well, you could walk to the cafe and have a coffee with another teacher. Why do you need to go on Twitter? But when it's so accessible, people really, uh, you know, find it is sort of like professional development 24-7 kind of thing. Um, so they, um, you know, they can guide their own professional development and learning, build a network of people that they build trust in and that kind of thing. And that's important because then obviously it helps with retention of the profession and that kind of thing. Although those are things to be found from future research. Right. And so you do bring up a disconnect where you say, uh, quote, the fact that many PE professionals could not describe how their use of Twitter shaped their students' learning is somewhat concerning, quote. And I would agree. Uh, Can you kind of elaborate on this finding a little bit? Well, in the paper, we um, we sort of talk about, well, is (laughs) is being on Twitter like a bit of a facade and in the sense that well I'm doing something to make myself better and look I've got all these new ideas but how they sort of package it into a curriculum that is really impacting student learning we didn't get a sense that from this study that that was being done and that's why we want to do a subsequent study to sort of find out a little bit more I think it's very um, hard to say that oh I take this idea off Twitter I put it into my classroom and oh, lo and behold, I've got a 20% increase in student learning. So I think it is very much more tricky when you start talking about student learning because 
what are we talking about? Are we talking about student performance over one session or is it learning over a period of time? And I think there's a lot of factors that go into student learning other than just me getting better. There's the motivation of the student that, you know, and all, all these other, you know, the peer relations they have, the social element in the classroom. So I think learning is a more slippery concept and I can understand why teachers um, find it harder to describe. And I actually think that I credit this sample and I've done some subsequent interviews is people are quite honest. Well, I'm not sure how it is impacting my student learning, but I'm going to continue because I know I'm getting better as a teacher. So I'm going to, you know, but what we, you know, what we don't want is, uh, you know, but well, what we want is a community where teachers can put themselves out there like I said earlier, and be more vulnerable and say, oh, I tried this and it didn't work. Can anyone help? Rather than, um, you know, oh, look at me, I'm great. This is amazing. You know, look at what I'm doing. I've learned all this stuff. And that's good too. But having those critical conversations, you know, will really help drive this, I think, in the future. And I, I can imagine that being very hard to tease out is twitter helping if i'm trying to look at student learning it's you know but in your last key theme uh you discussed the the professional communities that were set up through the chats um how did these play out and what what type of pe teachers typically on twitter um well as I said earlier, with the, the quantitative, it was really a teacher that I, I could give a bit of an archetype. Someone who's been out there um, for, for a while um, that has, you know, more than six years experience. And it might be way longer than that. We did have some people who were, you know, 25, 40 years into their teaching career who you would say, oh, they're, you know, um, people who we probably wouldn't expect to be on Twitter, but they've turned to it because they can see the, the value of it. Uh, but it's kind of like the peop when teachers feel they've been washed out of their teacher education program, that's the term we use, you know, maybe they look for, well, what other, what, what other ways can I get some professional development? Um, so they are a little bit older, the teachers, where maybe they've come a little bit more disconnected from others. They're maybe not as likely to go to conferences as much, um, you know, um, that kind of thing. So th those are people who are looking for new ideas, new stimuli, and, and things like that. Um, the other thing is, like, early career teachers, they're inundated, right, with, you know, they're, oh, you have to be using the latest technology. You have to be doing stuff from your teacher education practice. practice. Look, there's all these wonderful models you can use. So they probably don't need Twitter as much because they're still trying to bed themselves in with all the stuff they've learned in teacher education where more experienced teachers, you know, um, you know, are there because they, they feel as though they've got something to give back, you know, or they've still got stuff to learn and they feel that they can learn it in these um, safe spaces. Uh, we did some interviews with, a, like I say, with this group and one person, I was reading their data today and they were saying, well, you know, we are on Twitter with some very, very honorable human beings, like some people who would run through the wall for you, you know. The, the PE community is very supportive, is what they were saying. So the, this is the type of, uh, you know, thing, thing that we're doing. There's a lot of teachers of the year on Twitter. There's a lot of na nationally board certified teachers on Twitter. And again, it, it's not people I don't think are there to tell everyone how wonderful they are. I think they're people that really want to give back to the profession 
and continue to grow themselves because they're just that type of people, you know, where they want to be getting better at their job every single day. And I think people who are in Twitter communities in general and physical education can really relate to that. I mean, that's how we connected and we're doing this. So um, it's been great. So do you have any concluding thoughts that you'd like to share? Is uh, Twitter the wave of the future? Is this some line of research that you're going to continue doing? Well, I think it is. Well, I I am and it is a wave of the future. Um, I think one thing on that last point is just that Gleddy talked about in some of their stuff is, and, and Robson's talked about in some research, is it is maybe be reflexive about the way you use Twitter and think about am I being inclusive? Because if you're bombarding people with the next best thing all the time or you're being overly critical of people, it might turn people off engaging in these spaces and we still want to... Um, you know, be vulnerable ourselves, even though we might be a leader in the in the field. So we still need to have, like I said, be discerning in what we do. Um, so in terms of like conclusions, we you know, Twitter is an accessible, convenient form of professional development and learning. Um, we have the power through that to communicate with a wide range of people to improve professional practice. We have a place to advocate for the profession. And so it's, it's very important that we do put out good stuff on Twitter and show best practices, but also be critical about the stuff that's out there, but do that in a positive way. Um, you know, so those are some things. So, um, but we need to constantly check how we're being shaped by the service and how the service is shaping us, you know, so that we offer, um, you know, good service. Um, in terms of current research, we're doing a study, like I say, on going back to this sample we've interviewed about 50 people again from around the world multiple continents non-english speaking um you know so we've we've got a lot of good perspectives from people about why they use twitter um, and more depth in terms of the interviews and things like that so we're coding um those as we speak so watch this space I really appreciate your time. Um, we're going to link to your article in the in the notes of the podcast. And uh, since we are talking about Twitter, uh, where can people find you on uh, on Twitter and social media? Yep, people. So I'm Dr. So Dr. Stephen with a PH Harvey. So all all together. So that's me on Twitter. So at Dr. Stephen Harvey. Um, email is harveys3 at ohio.edu. And then I have a web page. It's a Weebly one, so drstephenharvey.weebly.com. And then if you are on Voxer, I'm S-H-A-R-V-E 7402. Awesome. And we'll put those in the notes as well. Um, And thank you so much for your time. And uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, listening. Thank you.